So it's here. Habakkuk 2 should be verses 1 to 5. Got that right, Pam? That's good. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he is puffed up, his desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. Indeed, wine betrays him, he is arrogant and never at rest, because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Amen. Just have the first slide up again, Andy. Thank you, Pam. In the first uh, verse there, if you're reading in, uh, in English or you can read in Russian, whichever is um, your, your... Is it any good, by the way, the Russian? Is it? Yes? Good. We, uh, we did check it through, didn't we, Andy? And it seemed okay to us, but... Um, <laughs> And uh, here, Habakkuk in verse 1 is, uh, is saying, he'll stand there and, uh, and watch, and I'll look and see in what answer. He's, uh, he's been crying out to God. And then in verse 2, thank you, Andy. Then the Lord replied, and this is what the Lord replied to Habakkuk all those years ago in the Old Testament. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. And that's been happening this week and uh, before that. That somebody, and I'll, uh, I'll explain more later, felt that they received a revelation from God. They didn't write it on tablets, they write it on a, a text message. Well, you've got to move with the times, haven't you? Sent it to me, and... Uh, I feel that I am the herald, that it's not up to them to uh, say the message, but they're to deliver that message, and now I'm the herald going to be delivering it to you. And this is a passage that we were drawn to as we were discussing this. And then right at the end of the passage, it talks about people being captive, and that also features in the prophecy, which we will share later. The second reading is uh, from the end of Matthew's Gospel, and uh, it's the Great Commission, and I think Ethan's going to come up and read it. Oh, no. Yes. Um, now, I wouldn't have chosen this reading. We had it not so long ago. It's read out a lot, but God, it seemed, had other ideas. He wanted this to be read. So as Andy's reading it, you think for yourself why God wanted. There's all sorts of reasons why. May. See if God speaks to you, perhaps as an individual or us as a church. 
Thank you, Andy. The reading is Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Any thoughts about what did anything strike any one of you? Could have been disciples. Go and make disciples. That's our theme for for these the coming months. That could be it. Or maybe we're coming up to Pentecost and it was about uh, Jesus saying, I'm with you always to the end of time. Ron might have thought about they're up on a mountain. But the thing that struck the person who felt that this should be read today was the 11. Why? Let's move on to the prophecy, shall we? This is the prophecy that was, uh, is offered to the church. I'll read it out. The cloud of his healing and grace and rain is upon the church. We are moving towards God, but giving up halfway. His cry is to cross the bridge of faith and enter his promised land. That is where he will feed and build us. It is to be done. No more in captivity. He wants to set us free. Things have to change in order to be free in God's promised land. Let it rain down. It's God's cry of his heart. I'm crying. Let's just have a a brief think now about what God might be saying through that. If it is from God, and that's to be tested, tested by you. The first thing is very positive that the cloud of his healing and grace and rain is upon the church. This is positive. God wants to bless the church. God wants to bless you as individuals. God's presence is real and positive. And we are moving towards God. That is also positive. But we're giving up halfway. Not going that whole way with God but giving up halfway. And his cry, God's cry, is that we cross the bridge of faith, not too sure what that means, but to enter the promised land. 
be the church, be the people that God wants us to be. That is where he will fill, feed and build us up. Maybe if we're not feeling fed and built up, maybe that's what we need to do. No more in captivity. Perhaps some of us are captive. Captive maybe to all sorts of things. He wants to set us free. And then things have to change in order to be free in God's promised land. Let it rain down. It's God's cry of his heart. I'm crying. Lots of imagery there. And I introduced another one with creep and crawl. It's all about metamorphism, about change, about the change from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Thank you, Andy. Can we have a video? And we're going to see that now, hopefully. The change of a, from a caterpillar to a uh, is it a larvae or um, uh, I'm not so good on biology. Um, <laughs> what happens after a caterpillar? It goes into the, um, uh, that different state and then it changes into a butterfly. And this is going to appear on the screen. Is it? Yes. Sorry? Just a bit slow. Well, it takes a long time, doesn't it, for a, a caterpillar? Here it is. Now this video takes 11 minutes. So I'm going to speak while you're looking at that and hopefully build up the excitement as you see it change and, uh, and change and then um, uh, be released. No longer captive, released into what it should be, into the, uh, the butterfly. So you can look at that but listen to me. But more importantly, listen to God. If God's speaking through you, that, that's fine. If he's distracting you with other things, that's not fine. So listen. It's been a strange week. And one of the odd things that was by Wednesday morning, the service was all sorted. Now, Brian will know, and if Colin were here, he's away like some others are for bank holiday. This is an odd occurrence. We've got it sorted, haven't we, Adam? Wednesday morning, hymns are sorted. I was going to preach on the election. A good thing to preach on. The election's coming up, of course, on Thursday. All was fine. I should have known better than to be relaxed. God had other ideas. By Wednesday evening, all of this had changed. Just a little bit of background. I felt, for the last seven years, I've been very involved in the Wednesday evening youth group. And I just felt that God was saying I had to take a, a back seat from that and to concentrate at this time in particular on, on discipleship and leaving some space so I could meet people and, and help to guide them through into discipleship. Just after I'd uh, felt this, Martin, who's sitting at the, the back there, Martin Cowell, texted me and said, 
Are you free Wednesday evening? I'd like to come round. This, I felt, was confirmation. What time? Eight o'clock, which is exactly the time that youth group starts. God's moving. Now, Martin said I can share anything, and so I will. One day, Martin will share for himself, and he may be later on today. Martin was on fire for God, weren't you, Martin? But then lost his way. And over the last few years, uh, Martin has has come back to God. And Martin perhaps doesn't realise it, but it's when we've been praying. You can actually chart it. When the church had been praying, that Martin has felt that, that desire to come back to God. And as you know, the elders decided in January we need to be concentrating on prayer. And it's wonderful that Martin has, has come back to God. He came to uh, the healing service on the Thursday before Easter. And you may or may not know that Sally didn't think that she was able to do that healing service. It's just one of those times where you feel inadequate. But God met with her, and that was a fantastic time. I wasn't there. But many people have said how God moved at that time. Tim, who came for the healing of his bad back. It didn't have any effect on your back, did it, Martin? No. Still continuing in prayer. But as Sally and Alex over there was praying, you prayed as well for Martin, didn't you, Alex? And I think there was somebody else. God moved in a powerful way in Martin's life and in others' lives at that time. And Sally felt that Martin may have been given the gift of prophecy. The text started to flow. And what a joy they are to receive these texts. God's been saying this. Martin came to see me. I too believe that he's been given the gift of prophecy. Maybe just for this time. Maybe it won't continue. And it's been a joy. And this, or not this, this is this poor caterpillar still struggling along. But the prophecy that we saw was a prophecy that Martin had, which he believes for the church. But is it from God? Well, if you remember a teaching before, you can have the fogs test. If you're in a fog, you don't know if it's from God. F-O-G-S. In reverse order, the S comes first. Is it scriptural? Does it uh, comply with, uh, with the generality or the specific nature of scripture? Well, yes, because this prophecy is about coming close to God, giving yourself all to God. That is scriptural. The G of fogs is... Does it bring glory to Jesus Christ? Well, the answer is yes. If Martin's prophecy had been, oh, Martin Cole is so wonderful, he's brilliant, we need to follow him, then that wouldn't have been from God and that wouldn't have brought glory to to God. But it's about God, not about Martin. The O of Fogs is do other spirit-filled Christians agree? Well, that's your role. I want you to test this prophecy. Pray. Does, it, does your heart get warmed with it or not? Do you, as you pray this week, have a confirming witness that this is from God? You are other spirit-filled Christians. You play your part in this. And then the F of fogs is, are there facts? 
well, on this sort of prophecy, uh, there aren't facts until it comes to pass. Until we decide that if we give ourselves totally to the Lord, not stop halfway, and the blessings come down, then we can say, yes, it's there. He's still going, still struggling. He's not where he should be. Does that speak to you? Are you stopping halfway and just struggling? Cocooned. We need to be released into the joy and the hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. So this prophecy says that there's a great blessing for the church. The Holy Spirit raining down to bring healing, to bring grace. It's exciting. But we stop halfway. Is that you? You're half-hearted? Maybe it's apathy. But there is a sense that it might be fear. Fear of what that might mean. Fear about not being in control. Fear about that God is in control. We need to be sold out for Christ. Totally open to him. Ring true? It will lead to change. And please note the prophecy that uh, Marty received, and I felt that it was from God, but we're testing it out. There is a feeling that it's not just an everlasting prophecy, that it's for now. Not maybe exactly now, but over a short term. If we ignore it, it's gone. Last night, as I was reading through the sermon, I was reminded of a phrase, something about if only God would give us people sold out to him, then who knows what would happen. And so I take uh, emailed a couple of colleagues, say, do you know where this comes from? One got back to me and said, it, was it this one? Give me ten men like Clouseau and I could destroy the world. I said, that's a great quote from the, the um, Pink Panther movies, but that's not the one I was thinking of. Another one emailed me back. So this is what ministers do on a Saturday night. D.L. Moody, a great Victorian preacher, said this, the world has yet to see what could be accomplished by one man who was totally sold out to God. The world has yet to see what would happen if, if, if one person was totally sold out to God. I wonder if that person's here. Or maybe there's two of you. Or three. Or four. Or maybe eleven. You remember? The eleven disciples... Maybe there's 11 here. Or maybe it's a church full. The 11 disciples, it was ridiculous. They were asked by God in that reading to go and change the world. How can we do that? 
They needed to be totally sold out to God. And they did through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the first time I've been able to preach since Easter. When I preached on things will never be the same again. Well, maybe this links in with that, that over the week before Easter and Easter, God moved. Maybe things will never be the same again. We've moved on. Maybe this prophecy is about moving on, not getting stuck halfway. Oh. What happened? Did he turn into the butterfly? You poor people have been watching this for 11 minutes... How do you feel? <laughs> Let down, disappointed. Just a glimpse of how God feels. God doesn't want us to be a, butterf- a, a, a caterpillar or a chrysalis. God doesn't want us to be there all tight and not be able to be free. How disappointed God is. How God is crying. Because he wants us to be free. He wants us to know that blessing. Those of us who have had a bad week this week, he wants us to have that, that sense of peace and security in him. Perhaps we get a glimpse with the disappointment there of how God feels. But we can do something about it. We can open up ourselves to, to God and say, yes, I want to go all the way with you. I want to be sold out for you. Maybe things will indeed never be the same again. Now the difference it'll make, well that's for you to determine. Certainly the difference won't be just a a bit of a glow here in church. This blessing is not just so that we feel a bit brighter and a bit better and although it may transform our service, transform our worship. But what it means is that when we go out into the community, into the world, our lives are transformed and therefore other lives are transformed. Chick Yule, when he came to leaders, said that at the most 10 hours a week are spent in church. It's 110 hours that we need to concentrate on. That's about discipleship. Sally and myself met Chick Yule on Thursday and he shared with us about whole life discipleship which he's happy to come and, and teach us about and lead us about and he's coming to the elders on Thursday to share with them to see if this is the right move for the church. Whole life discipleship. This fits in with this prophecy. Can we have the prophecy up again Andy? Whole life discipleship Not just a bit of our lives, not stopping halfway, but whole life. So we're not captive to our fears, captives to to anything else, but moving on with the Lord. I'll end now so that we can move into a time of worship, a time of listening to the Lord. But uh, what was decided was that uh, each sermon that Sally and myself give in this uh, period would be about discipleship and would include some practical activity. 
Today was going to be about uh, the election and then the practical activity was to vote on Thursday. I've got it all sewn up. But now, I still want you to vote on Thursday. That's one practical activity and I wouldn't need to do two others. One, I want you to take time to meditate. Is this prophecy right? Is it for the church? And then on Thursday... As you vote, or before you vote, or after you vote, pray for the elders who meet on Thursday evening. Pray that they will know the discernment of what Chick Yule says. Is this of God? Is this right for the church? This whole life discipleship. Thanks be to God for his drama, for his prophecy, for his word. May the Lord speak to us.